This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. It's got me looking for a dance floor. Grab a bed in your bonfire ride today. I go in here, break a crush, make a sugar shake it. After legging, everything is going my way. I got a long-legged girlfriend hopping out the shotgun, nothing like a small girl. What's happening, all my woods people? I'm here today, and I am the Whitetail Weatherman. You are the Whitetail Weatherman, <laughs> sir. Every <laughs> podcast opens with some weather report. That's usually not applicable for the actual day. It's usually a couple days previous. So. That's right. And then, not to mention, nobody's from Texas listening That's to this right. thing. So. That's no, right. Actually, no, there's 14% of you are from Texas, so That's we right. very much appreciate that. Uh, uh, now's a good time to, to say this. We haven't discussed this much, but our friends in Massachusetts who are in second place for listeners... Can you believe that? Really? Massachusetts. Thanks, Massachusetts. There's Y'all, no way a Boston person is dude, really liking our Apparently, accent. there's quite a few folks. I think it's a comedy thing. They <laughs> like they just listen to us because they're like, let's try to interpret what they're saying. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, no, we've got a lot of support all across the nation, and thank you all so much for listening. But it's really cool to kind of see um, the spread of the Element Podcast, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, when you usually say the spread, that's usually like a, either like a football play or <laughs> it's like some disease is going places, and we don't want that to happen. But anyways, in short, thank you all very much for listening, and thank you for tuning in for your weekly Whitetail Weather Report that's from Tyler. Right. Can we go ahead and get to that? <laughs> it is sunny and 65 degrees. Nice. It's nice a, day. It is a good day, man, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just always feel like it's a good day, you know? It's just mm-hmm. a good good day to, to when I'm having a good day, you know what I mean? So anyway, uh, we have got a guy that's coming on the podcast here pretty quick, um, and he's a real cool dude, real level-headed uh, guy that you want to learn deer hunting tactics from, uh, Josh Smith from Wild Carrot Deer Attractants. Um, this is a episode about things that are going to be smelling in the woods <laughs> and so hopefully uh they're not smelling you but they're smelling these deer scents that you're using uh i don't know a whole lot about this casey do you don't have a whole lot of experience with scents either right? my most scent experience has been uh probably 
10 or 15 years ago when my parents owned an actually really nice piece of property that they ended up selling, which is still a point of contention in the family. Um, uh, they owned this property, and my dad would take a cotton ball and screw it in the end of an era and shoot it to the back side of the property before he went over there and hunted. No way. Yeah, dude, it worked. <laughs> and seriously, he'd shoot this thing like 500 yards, you know, like just arc this thing way over there, and then show up over there 30 minutes later and like you know deer would be out i don't know i mean it wasn't like the most effective tactic ever but like <laughs> my dad is convinced that it works well yeah. another thing that i used to do very similarly as i used to bring a slingshot to the stand with me and i rigged up these things that had uh it was like a a three-eighths inch um nut and i would put the cotton ball inside the nut <laughs> And then I would get up in there, and I had these inside of a, uh, a Ziploc bag pre-soaking in scent. And then I would distribute the scent via the slingshot from my stand <laughs> to where I wanted it to be. That didn't really work very shooting good. Shooting nuts all over the stand. That's side. right, dude. <laughs> That's right. Cotton balls with, with chrome nuts just <laughs> all over uh, El Dorado, Texas down there. It was, I mean, it was. I think it was a neat idea, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not perfected like the uh, wild carrot system is pretty perfected. Yeah, yeah. I, I see that for sure. I haven't <laughs> used it a whole lot um, as far as like, – I, I think I got a Tinks, you know, one time before yeah. – uh, for Christmas or something like that before season and tried to use that. And if you can use a bottled scent without getting it on you, you are a magician. You are. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm not. So it it is not, I just do not like sitting there smelling my urine hand for (laughs) long periods of time, uh, during a, during a, a sit for whitetail. Um, Apparently, you don't mind it as much. I think you've had some urine to drink before. Urine drink, you know. It's good. <laughs> now, that's why I couldn't use scents, because I kept running through them while I was sitting in the stand. Just drinking them. Ooh, <laughs> this is gross. We're We've getting told so that, bad. right, on we the podcast. We have, but okay. just so you know, I, I drank my own pee out of a bottle with Tyler. <laughs> not, not not long before Tyler peed on me, so <laughs> yeah, there's that, right. too. So yeah, this, is, this episode's all about pee, guys. <laughs> Listen, if you buddy hunt, make sure you pee downwind, okay? Yeah. Uh, don't pee upwind of your brother, your buddy that's sitting below you. <laughs> that's what you get for putting me 33 feet in a tree, dude. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Oh, well, you know what? We're getting pretty pretty close to a place called Gordita's, and I think I can smell it from here. So, speaking of smells, let's get Josh on the podcast. How about? Sounds good. All right. All right, so now on the phone we have Josh Smith with Wild Carrot Deer Attractant. Josh, is it feeling good in your neck of the woods yet? It is finally, man. This uh, this past week has been the first break in hot, dry weather that we've had in, in a couple of months, man. It's uh, yeah. We we went basically from June until late September with almost no rainfall. Um, it's just super dry. The last couple of weeks uh, before now, we were literally hotter than Honduras. So <laughs> it's it's been rough, you know. It's it's uh it's hard to scrape together motivation to be outside i work outside so uh you know when i have time off and it's 100 degrees out it's it's pretty hard for me to break out of that ac yeah you're in tennessee is that right yes sir east tennessee just uh just south of knoxville cool so that's uh that's considered the south right I yeah, mean, I would yep. put y'all in that for sure. Yeah, so. they got fried chicken there. Oh, dude, they got good fried chicken <laughs> yeah. there. I guarantee. Yeah, it. for sure. Yeah, if you can, if you consider Kentucky the South, then you damn sure better include us. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That is the state of the North yeah. for sure. I mean, there's country music in that state, yeah. right? That's the capital. So, 
it's uh right. it's uh gotta be southern i don't know people would probably disagree with that statement right i knew there right now. i knew a guy who lived in nashville for a while he's a sports writer and uh he he always claimed that nashville had like the worst weather of anyone that you can possibly uh like any place you can possibly live because you get the hot weather of the summer but then you also get these blizzards like almost every every winter and he said it's just like the the hottest and the coldest that you can possibly be in one city so uh you know yeah it's it's an interesting mix you know we're just uh on the west side actually in the foothills of the smoky mountains so we get some some different kinds of weather you know precipitation coming across from the west hits those mountains and dumps on us at, at some times and then you know like i said sometimes it's just bone dry I've yeah, got, yeah. Uh, I know some guys that are actually just now putting in food plots because we just haven't had enough rain to even break up the soil. Man, man. that's pretty late, man. That's it's crazy. Yeah. Do, do you ever uh, you ever go to the Smokies and fish or anything? Yep. Yeah, yeah we like to go up to uh, Sitico Creek. Uh, there's some good trout fishing up there. Um, I'm, I've got a. I have actually have four kids, and my uh, second oldest son is a huge trout fan. Oh, he lives for trout fishing, so we like to get up there and, and uh, enjoy that as much as we can. It's a beautiful country. Well, we we would get along, man. That's a, <laughs> I hope my son becomes a trout junkie, too. He actually netted a Gila trout last year on a vacation, so that was a pretty cool little moment. It was actually a really jealous moment for Dad because I hadn't actually caught one at that time, and I'm like, this dude is over here netting them out of the water. I can't even get one to bite a fly. You know what's what's going on? Wrong tactic. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I don't know how legal it was, but um, I can't say that I was involved because I was downstream. You know, so um, I think they usually turn. They kind of turn a blind eye if you're under a certain age. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely. He didn't know any better. That's for sure. But uh, who knows? Dad might have got a ticket if uh, if the game warden came around. So anyway, well, dude. um, So you are basically attempting a new endeavor that sounds like i told you this earlier off air uh that you probably won't shoot a deer for a while (laughs) it sounds like (laughs) you might go several years here without shooting a deer you might be having to buy some beef uh talk about that a little bit well uh i've always been a big fan of bow hunting um since i was a kid i grew up shooting bows with my dad uh, we did a lot of 3d stuff and and i just always honestly before i even had a love for bow hunting i had a love for bow shooting so uh just the target shooting has always been a lot of fun to me um and just recently kind of by happenstance i uh received a hand-me-down longbow from my grandpa so um i'm, I'm i've been practicing quite a bit with that and i wouldn't say i'm terrible but i wouldn't say i'm great either so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely going to be a process uh kind of learning the ins and outs and, and and my my method of choice is more instinctual shooting so that's going to take even longer you know to just mm-hmm. kind of get comfortable with that um but i i am inspired because when i first picked it up um I, I zipped some good shots in there and I thought, you know, this, this thing might not be so bad. So, yeah. uh, I'm excited about it, you know? And then uh, honestly, this all escalated so quickly. My other, my dad's, this is my mom's grandfather uh, that I'm referring to. And, and my dad's dad, um, had an old Ben Pearson Pinto recurve that I also just got. 
and uh, and he had a great northern uh, bush bow, long bow from oh man, late eighties. Man, that I've also got. So I went from never shooting traditional. Now I'm like, I've got all these. I'm spoiled, rotten. Yeah, I've you're a collector now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. This all happened in a matter of about three weeks. So, wow. So I'm, I'm I kind of just dove in, you know, and and I really enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's kind of a neat story. My my dad's dad actually, um, back in the day, you know, we're from Michigan originally, and my mom's parents and dad's parents both were in the logging industry in Michigan. Uh, about a half an hour apart from each other and my dad's dad used to cut quite a bit of uh, red elm and supply some of the bowyers around there and I, I, there's a, a really good chance that this bow i've got has some red elm that one of my grandpa's cut wow. for the bowyer to make to make a bow for my other grandpa Jeez, so <laughs> that's cool so it's a yeah it's very cool it's it's you know that's kind of part of the reason it's not just like i'm diving into it for something new, you know, I feel like yeah. this is, this is, this is tugged at the heart pretty good. You know, so that's a, like- that's an interesting point, man, because I feel like this happens a lot through like traditions that are in hunting and elsewhere where, um, there's this thing that gets popularized by someone and it's like pop, pop culture to do it now. But it, it, um, it also really means something to other people and it, it's, I don't want to say ruins, but it kind of, uh, I don't know falsifies a little bit what some people are trying to do from a a a pure motive standpoint you know because and and we're talking about the traditional archery thing right now because it's like it's kind of a popping thing like a subculture or something within the hunting industry right now to like oh i'm going to get my longbow out and then people do it for a year and they're like i know no thanks but (laughs) you know they don't have any they don't have that connection like you do to it so I, i hope that um it doesn't you know i hope that doesn't uh, sour you on it in any way because it's really cool that you have like this you know this deep connection to it like <laughs> i don't know when you started talking about the type of wood that's in there that maybe your granddad cut that it's just that is yeah. just the coolest story man mm. it's so neat right yeah yeah, yeah and it's uh it's really cool you know and, and you know i'm fortunate to be in the position to have had such a good relationship with so many of my grandparents i was my parents were young when i was born so it's been of a benefit to me to grow up with basically you know multiple sets of parents mm-hmm. you know basically For so sure. uh it's there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of uh family ties involved in yeah every time i every time i hear that twang of that string you know Man, that's <laughs> cool there's something i mean i'm sure it's been said a million times but there's something really uh, cool about when you release an air, an arrow out of a trad bow and it goes where it's supposed to and it flies like it's kind of tuned. It's like that's a that's a cool feeling, man. It's it's like it's like um, throwing a rock at a street sign from thirty yards and hitting it. You know what I mean? It's like that gum. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Yeah, you know, it just it's uh, I don't know. It's just it, there's something intriguing about the the variability and the the degree of uncertainty involved you know everybody's uh got this compound bow tuning thing down to such a science that Mm -hmm. it's i'm not saying it's easy because it's certainly not but it's it's a lot more consistent you know so it's like yeah having that instinct shot you know it's just a different kind of thing yeah i i did that back uh 2013 I, i picked up the recurve for a while and shot it and uh then 
I missed uh, elk at 11 yards and decided that I would, wouldn't shoot it anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think it was because, like, I could not – I had or not could not. I didn't try to wrap my head around the tuning thing. I just shot arrows. And uh, sure. are, are you having somebody to kind of help you with that? Because I know it's super complex. Or are you kind of – is that something you're, like, diving into as well? I'm kind of diving into that as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like to learn. You know, I, mm. I just like to learn new things all the time. Uh, and I've really gotten into the tuning aspect. I watch a lot of Clay Hayes, um, watch a lot of his videos. You guys familiar with him? I've heard, I think I've heard him on a podcast or something, maybe. Sure. Yeah. He makes a lot of, uh, self bows and does a lot of like general woodsmanship videos and stuff yeah. online. Yeah. And, um, has a, basically a bow building and tuning instructional course that you can access uh online so that's been super beneficial you know there's a lot of great resources through three rivers archery too where you can learn about you know how adjusting your brace height is gonna affect your arrow flight um and you know how different spined arrows are gonna come off there differently and Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a ton of information for sure and it's not (laughs) something i'm gonna master anytime soon but but I'm committed, you know. I don't mind that it's going to take a while. Yeah, that's cool. You have a goal with it, or is yeah. it just something you're kind of just going to progress with? Um, I want to eat something. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's, cool. that's really my only goal. I don't have, you know, uh, like we kind of talked about before. Um, there is a 100 percent chance that I'm launching an arrow at a spike if he walks in close. <laughs> I yeah. love it, man. <laughs> yep. There was a 100 percent chance I was going to do that uh, on uh, Tuesday evening, and it didn't happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you got to have the spike before you can launch yeah, the arrow. Right. You know, so that's what that's where that was our issue for sure. It was going to happen, but it didn't. Um, so yeah, I don't have any. I don't really have any delusions of grandeur or anything on on going out there and, and seeking only 150 inch bucks and mm-hmm. you know that's that's uh I, i'm i'm realistic yeah, yeah. i don't oh, know man yeah, tennessee's I'm, a big buck state now y'all got the world record and all that right so yeah we do uh there's really good hunting if you if you go about two and a half hours west where we're at yeah you know, where i'm at uh it's it's fine i love to hunt here um, but it's ridge country. There's almost no agriculture at all. So mm-hmm. everything hinges on mass crop and, and, uh, you know, just, it's, it's a little trickier to, to get it down pat. Yeah. yeah. That's the case. Well, we had, we had a buddy, uh, hunt some public in Tennessee. He's just moved there. Um, and it was the same evening that we hunted and did, you know, Casey was wanting to shoot a spike. We saw zero things <laughs> except for a hawk that almost hit me in the head. And, uh, he was like, he was like, well, what'd y'all see? And I'm like, okay, this dude has a good report for us. Like, you don't just, you don't, you know, do that. So anyway, I, I told him we didn't have any, any luck, didn't see any deer. And he was like, well, I saw 30 does and three bucks. And we we're like, this guy, you know, and he's, you know, it's just, it's just a new public, you know, parcel that he really just like saw from the road and was like, all right, I'm going to go out there and sit in this field. So, I mean, I guess there's probably some opportunity for you there, but uh, it sounds like you kind of have a spot locally pretty close there to hunt, right? Yeah, we do. We've got some family ground that we hunt here. Um, And last year, actually, you know, I mess around with Onyx quite a bit and uh, found what used to be a TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority. They're kind of a government-based uh, energy company uh, mm-hmm. locally you know a lot of hydroelectric and stuff like that and they own a ton of property 
Uh, well, they owned a boat launch that sits on like four and a half acres, and it's it had been abandoned, uh, it looks like 25, 30 years ago. It hasn't been kept up at all, and it's wooded, and it's on a back road, and it's surrounded by close to 1,800 acres of, of one-owner private land. Mm. So, you know, there's a handful of guys that hunt that big piece, but uh, I'm, you know, I kind of got into a little bit of a honey hole. There. Man, I just, like, am just, that is the dream for me is to find this, like, four-acre spot, you know, that, like, nobody knows about, and we've... We've done so much, like, just scathing of the maps to try to find that in Texas. And you see all these, you know, when you're on Onyx, you see all these, like, possible potential public land places. And in Texas, that means that um, it's state land and it's leased by somebody with cattle and a lot of money. And, you're, and they don't let sure. you hunt. So it's like, that it. you know, we're pretty much confined to uh, to the places that everybody knows here. So uh, we yeah. don't have just a ton of public land, unfortunately, but... Um, well, yeah. I think this little this little piece that I found, I think that there are several people that have known about it, found out about it over the years. But the uh, the private landowner that surrounds it has been very adamant about running people off of there. Mm. And up until I confronted him with Onyx, you know, he was trying to run me off of there. And I'm mm. like, look, you know, here's property boundaries. This is public land. I'm only in here bow hunting and I know where your property starts and I won't set foot on it. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be back here. I hope you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it, but, was it, uh, I, was it weird? I mean, ahead. like, did it ever get weird, um, after you kind of showed him that or was he pretty much like backing off at that point? No, nah, he was good after I showed him that. It was a little weird before because he came, you know, he was trying to tell me that it was his private property. So mm-hmm. it was, it was a little tense for a second, but not a big deal at all. He's mm-hmm. a nice enough guy. So um yeah it's fine he did however come through there with one of his buddies squirrel hunting while i was sitting in the stand (laughs) yeah that's a (laughs) that's a nice little tactic to run people off (laughs) real subtle yeah yeah (laughs) that's crazy well so you're you're um i guess something that might be key for getting a deer in front of 15 you know 10 or 15 yards in front of you with a longbow I guess that's your range. I mean, what are you are you looking at shooting longer than that or are you gonna stay pretty close close to the cuff I, with I, your shots? I'll stay twenty or yeah. less. Gotcha. I, I've got depending on the situation. You mm-hmm. know, if it's perfect broadside, I'll zip one at twenty and feel good about it. If there's any mm-hmm. kind of quartering action, I prefer to be a little closer. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So, so yeah, and and I'm just hopeful that my brain can function enough to distinguish <laughs> that at the time. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's the that's the key uh, thing. We were talking yesterday, Casey and I, actually about kind of the same situation. Is like uh, you talk about. Um, you told us you you know that you hunt from the ground quite a bit, and we hunt we've hunted from the ground the last couple of years as well, quite a bit. And uh, you know that can sometimes, I guess, in certain country at least where we've hunted in the past turn into a pretty long shot sometimes and so we were talking about man and he's like are you prepped to shoot a 50 yard shot you know and i'm like i don't know if i am you know like i can shoot that uh all day in my yard here but it's just a different uh animal no pun intended that you would you know be shooting at a live animal at 50 yards it's just uh it's a different deal man i mean when you put nerves and and all that into it i mean um People talk about hunting, you know, it's not really, you know, like life and death. We can go to the store and buy meat and stuff like that. But, I mean, you're about to take the life of something. It's 
It's uh, something it really that, is life and death. It really is, you know, <laughs> it is, man, and and it's a uh, it can be kind of a heavy heavier thing for certain people as well, and that's one thing uh, I've noticed, you know, on some of the YouTube comments we get here and there, and we try to put everything out there, whether we miss or whether we hit high or whether we you know smoke it or whatever, and uh, you know people. I think are really judgmental and not understanding that like um, people across the board are going to handle situations differently. And some people are going to just have more nerves. Some people, it means more to them. Uh, You know, there's just different ways of viewing it and different uh, reactions that we all have. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to try to try to in that moment where you're really just so zoned in and focused and almost blackout. It's, it's hard to think about like, you know, are you going to actually pull off of that shot or are you just going to go, man, I've worked all season for this and now I'm pretty much in range. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I have, I've more than once passed on what would have been a good shot just because I didn't have the confidence that I could pull it off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could shoot 60 yards even with my compound at home and it would target and have no problem with accuracy. But you know, when you're in the woods, I like to think that I'm I'm accurate to about half the distance that I'd be in my backyard. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. That's a pretty good thought there for sure. I like that. I, but, I think that makes sense to me as well. Yeah, I have a much yeah, harder time with that. I'm the opposite. I I like kind of go Superman mode. You know, like I can <laughs> yeah. do any, I can do anything. Like I can pull it off. You know, and yeah. uh, I I don't know. Uh, I didn't I I missed an elk this year and hit one high, which neither of those situations. I felt that way. They were all, both good, odd shots. I just kind of messed it up. Um, but, uh, like, in the past, I know that I've, I've like, not been able to range something and be like, oh, I'm good enough at guessing distances. You know, I, I got this. It's fine. And then, you know, just flat out miss terribly, right? You know, and I don't know. Sure. Ha- have you have you learned to how to uh, be what's the, the – not pessimistic, but I guess a re- realist when it comes to your abilities, or is that something that's like in your nature? That's probably just the way I've always been. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, if, if like I was talking about passing on a shot when I don't feel like I have the confidence, uh, there are times when the confidence is there, you know, when I'm like you, I'm like, I got this, not mm-hmm. a problem, mm-hmm. you know, no big deal. And, and that's when you release the arrow. But when I have any second guesses at all, I just ease her back down, you yeah. know, wait for another time because, uh, you never know, you know, I've, I've wounded animals in the past and I do not enjoy that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. So it's not something I want to have repeated. This, this may sound shallow too. I think I know what you're saying as far as it's not something that that's fun. It's not terrible or it's terrible. It's, it's something that, you know, like, I think you're talking about probably being remorseful that you wounded an animal and it has to kind of suffer. But there's also, like I said, this might sound kind of shallow, but there's also this whole like, um, like do, how bad do you really want to walk around in the woods trying to just find one speck of blood for 24 hours? You know, like that's just not fun either as well. So it's right. like there's just so much in, in wounding an animal that's not fun, man. It's And so like to me – there are a lot of tactics that you can use to to get an animal into closer range. And we're always, I mean, to me, I'm always trying to get a closer shot. Like, I will take the 10-yarder all day. That's what I want, you know. And um, yes. and so, you know, what are the, 
as far as, you know, for you, you've probably got some expertise in, in the whole um, scent, uh, deer attractant kind of game. And we don't really know a whole lot about that. It's not something that I've used a whole lot. Uh, you sent us some stuff last year that we used um, a little bit, and KC hasn't used a ton of it either. So it's just not something that we're super familiar with. So just could you fill us in on, on – um, and I know this is a vague question, but, I mean, maybe take us through the season, different stages of the rut. How do we use scents to uh, get a deer in close? And then how do you also um, – you know, you're using a deer's nose, but at the same time, like that's their best defense as well. How do you keep them, how do you keep them, you know, coming into a scent that's going to put them in bow range, but not in your scent cone, your personal scent cone? Sure. Well, uh, my methods are, are my own and I'm glad to share them with you, but it doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't mean that it's right for everybody, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, there are plenty of people out there that disagree over any and everything they can. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have no issue with that, but personally, what I like to do is, um, you know, early season, I'm using our products obviously all the time because it's research. It's an investment in, in myself to always be using those products. So I know them in and out mm-hmm. and, and I know exactly, you know, what we can expect and, and kind of how, how the deer are going to respond to a certain extent, because at the end of the day, they're wild animals and they're going to behave however they choose. So, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's tricky in that regard, but what, uh, you know, early season it's hot and I'm generally using a cover scent and what we manufacture are, um, deer urines and we patented a packaging system that keeps them fresh without refrigeration for a long time. I, and, and it also, our, our single use packs make it easy to use and keep that stuff off your hands and clothes, mm-hmm. which is which is the big benefit. Yeah. Uh, but I like, <laughs> I like to use it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, there's nothing worse than, than getting that stuff all over you and not realizing Dude, it. You know, I opened one up yesterday and, um, to, to put it on a limb and I was thankful that I did not have it on me. <laughs> this stuff is stout, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very effective, you know, and you know how intense a, a deer sense of smell is. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if that's strong to you, then you can imagine how far out a deer could be and get away for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like to do, you know, we offer, um, regular buck, regular doe, dominant buck and estrus doe scents and early season. we also have a synthetic early season. I like to, uh, use those regular buck and regular doe scents just as a cover. And I've had good experience with them covering up my stink, um, just from being sweaty. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you, you can't even get out of the truck where I'm at early season without just sweat pouring off of you. So, um, I find that in my experience, it's, it's, it's a great cover because it kind of gives deer a calming effect. You know, when they smell that fresh urine, they know that deer basically are in that area right now, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so they, they, uh, observe that as a safe travel corridor, safe place to be. Um, and so I like to use those as a cover. Um, How do you know that that's effective at that point? Uh, Is it a situation where um, a deer's downwind and they just don't act like anything happens and they just, you know, just act normal? Is that how you know it worked? Yeah, yeah, that's the best. That's the best evidence for me. I don't spray down with a bunch of scent killer. Uh, You know, I don't I don't usually wear a, a scent lock suit or anything like that. I have 
some of that clothing that, you know, I've got the same hunting clothing I've had since I was 14. So I got all <laughs> kinds of stuff. I mean, it's it really across the board for what I use for gear or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I'm mostly just the comfort level and, and having deer downwind of me, uh, the biggest example that I had when it really became clear to me, just how effective it could be using these covers, uh, was Kentucky two years ago. I sat, uh, early September in a stand that I had to walk, uh, almost a mile into and it was mid nineties you know just hot hot and i was sweating to death i could smell myself <laughs> and and was just covered up with deer sitting a field edge you know mm-hmm. and didn't i didn't have great uh leaf cover in front of me in my stand either like i was visible enough to where they could spot me if they were looking for me um and i just never spooked a deer i, I had bucks does uh 38 deer come in on that eat that one Mm. evening sit and never spooked a one and they're not uh deer that are super familiar with human scent you know Mm. there's not a lot of people in and out of that area uh so Mm. the odds of of successfully pulling that off are pretty slim Mm. so that that just uh was, was one example that was reassuring to me that this is having an effect you know there's no way these deer are not winding something. But if I've got this up here, at least they're winding deer scent over top of my scent. I know that they're still smelling me. There's no way they're not. A deer can smell, you know, a, I can't even like 20 some different scents at one time in a single second they could process. So, wow. you know, you know, they're smelling you too, but they're all, they're smelling that in a much stronger rate. And I think it overrides a little bit of what you got going on. Yeah, sure. So at what point do you, uh, do you change things up? You say early season, you're talking about cover scents, uh, just kind of a generic, uh, you know, regular buck or doe kind of scent. What, at what point are you switching things up to more of an attractant style? Well, I usually do that. Um, late September, we start kicking around mock scrapes. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to use a dominant, dominant buck urine on mock scrapes. Um, we have great success with that. And I've, I've used doe estrus on mock scrapes too, and had good success with that as well. And we've got tons of trail camera, you know, uh, footage and pictures and video of, of that whole process and, and deer coming into those scrapes on our website and on our, uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so great examples of that, you know, um, I start with that dominant buck on the mock scrape. What, then, so real quick, um, you know, how, I, I guess there's, uh, at least maybe people are bigger buck killers than me and KC, but <laughs> how dominant is too dominant? You know, like what, at what point, um, you know, what size of deer, what age class of deer is going to be attracted to that and what age class of deer or size of deer is going to go, Hmm. I know this is probably dependent on their personality and stuff, but are they going to do, do, does a, you know, if I'm looking to shoot a spike with my longbow, if I use dominant buck, is that going to be something that spooks him? You know what I mean? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. That's a, something that is a concern for a lot of folks, you know? Um, but I don't, we don't have any evidence of any spooking mm-hmm. like that. Uh, the idea, part of the idea of using that dominant buck in a mock scrape is that, uh, it, it tends to hold does. It'll draw in like a matriarchal doe because, oh. you know, she, they'll search out a dominant buck and they know from the scent of the, you know, our, our dominant buck urine has a tarsal gland extract in it, um, as well. Hmm. And the idea there is that it'll help to hold does. And if you have does, you have bucks. Yeah. 
Gotcha. So, so that's a big part of, of the thought process behind that. Um, and then as we get closer to mid to late October, uh, those scrapes are heating up, rut activity starting to pick up into the pre-rut. Then I'll start busting out a little more estrus dough and using it as a drag a little more often just to kind of get that scent spread out a little more in the woods uh, and, and direct it toward where I'm going to be set up. Uh, and I had great success. The biggest buck I ever shot uh, came in nose down on one of our one of my scent trails from an estrus dough lure. And uh, it's just a cool, cool thing to see, you know, mm-hmm. the the that's how they reproduce there's really no argument to the effectiveness of of a doe and estrus scent that's how the bucks are finding them you know (laughs) so if you can successfully convince that buck that you are a doe and estrus then odds are one of them's going to find you eventually yeah and it doesn't work it doesn't nothing works every time obviously right but we have had had great success uh using these scents and they just the the quality of the product that we put into the package is awesome uh, it comes from a farm with super high quality control standards, uh, stainless steel food grade collection facility that's kept super clean. And there's zero fecal contamination, uh, just just a quality product. And the package does a great job of keeping it that way until until you're in the woods and yeah. bust it open. Yeah, that's cool. Let's so, talk a little bit about that package stuff. Um, so in the pack that you get, it usually comes with actually a... Um, like I don't know, the easiest way, way, way for me to describe it is like a a reel, and and it's almost yep. toy like, and that's what you use, uh, not in a like a bad way, but like it just reminds you of something like you'd hook up to a Hot Wheels car, right, or something. But um, yeah, that, similar. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, if you picture, it's basically like what you would think of a janitor having his keys hooked to. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It's like the that's same kind way. of idea. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of. Yeah, or a name tag. You know that like a security bag yeah, yeah, you yeah. Have to pull out. Yep, it's and that's, the same t- sort of idea, except for ours is uh, adjustable in length. It stays out to the length that you pull it mm-hmm, when you yeah. release the little button. It stays locked at that length yeah. until you push the button. So miniature dog leash thingy is what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so and yep. that's what you put in there for uh, to to use as a drag, and that I think that's really cool and really intuitive. Um, I feel like the drag thing is something that's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of lost some popularity in maybe in the past 10 or 15 years. I know that it's like one of my granddad's like old killer tactics, right? Like he takes a, a thumbtack and puts a cotton swab on his heel and walks in with it or whatever. And, sure. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's the old way of doing it. And now you got like the, the cool new age way. Um, do you feel like that's, uh, surely the, ta- the tactic hasn't lost its effectiveness, right? Like, I mean, why, why, why don't people use that more? And why is it like a big part of, of your hunting? Well, it's just, uh, things change, you know, the people's practices shift as time goes on. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with popular opinion. Um, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the amount of products out there that are not quite as effective. Maybe quality control is not quite as good on the, on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys will have a bad experience with one product and write off a whole group. You know, I know how many guys have you heard of that shot a rage broad had had a malfunction in their fixed blade only from now on. Yeah, has has nothing to do with Schwacker or whoever else, but they won't shoot another mechanical again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's similar to that, and then you also have 
the fact that you don't need to use scents to kill a deer. Mm-hmm. And that's something I hear so many people pushing. Well, I don't believe in them. I don't need to use them. You know, I'm not a scent guy and that's fine. I don't spend a lot of energy talking those guys into using our products. You know, I have no, mm-hmm. if whatever makes you happy in the woods, if it's legal and you're ethical, then get after it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I try not to put too much effort into that because usually the guys that are really pushing that envelope of sensor a waste of time or whatever are spending hours and hours planting food plots, you know, using, <laughs> uh, you know, like fiber optic bow sights on a compound bow shooting 380 feet per second. You don't necessarily need that either. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, how, how far are you going to go? You know, you mm-hmm. guys used to, the best bow hunters that we all know and love from the past didn't wear camouflage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just a personal tactics thing. And as, as, as far as that goes, you know, if a guy doesn't like to use them, then that's fine. Yeah. I don't yeah. have an issue with that. Sure. But if a guy likes to, if a guy wants to increase his odds, like we all do in one way or another, and he's not opposed to using sense, then we always invite him to give us a try because we think that we, uh, we produce, uh, one of the highest quality scents out yeah. there. Yeah. Personally, I think, I think it's the best obviously, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a great product. Um, and we stand behind it. So tell us, um, you know, since you do use that drag system as kind of one of your tactics, what's the ideal setup for doing that? Cause I'm sure it doesn't always, uh, work, you know, whenever you're talking at different times in the season, but then also I'm sure wind direction and, uh, you know, stand placement and all that kind of stuff has to, like to make it all come together. Right. Like there's gotta be some certain scenarios that it is actually a good idea to use a drag, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially like pre-rut when the rut starts heating up, that's, that's when I'm using those drags because that's when bucks are starting to cruise, mm-hmm. you know, they're covering a little more ground looking for, looking for those does and asterisks. So if you are busting one of those lures open and dragging it into your stand the last 150 yards or so, and a buck comes across that trail, you got a 50% chance he's going to head your way. You know, if he picks up on that scent trail, he might go the way, the way you came in away from you. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that that'll happen, you know, but, but if he picks up that scent trail, he's going to be interested. Deer are super curious by nature. So especially when there's something sexual involved, that just piques their curiosity all the more. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons I like to employ that drag system. And, and a lot of the time I'll use our estrus dough and I'll double it in conjunction with the dominant buck to kind of simulate a chase. Ooh, um, and, nice. I like and, it. And dra- yeah. Drag them in together and then hang them near my stand. And, uh, obviously you want to be upwind. You want that scent to be upwind of your stand. So you don't have to sit there and smell it the whole time for one. <laughs> yeah. Downwind, you know, and downwind to where deer are going to be coming through from you. Mm-hmm. You want, you, you want them to be picking that thing up and not picking you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just strategically locating that based on wind direction is your best bet. Yeah. And I like to hang them in close enough to my stand that when a deer comes in and sniffs on that thing, he's going to delay a few seconds and give me a good opportunity at a broadside shot, hopefully. Yeah. So yeah. when you're when you're using a drag system like that, you drag it in and then you hang the uh, what do we call this a scent tab or yeah, what, yeah. something like you that. Ha- you take yeah, that same one and hang it. Yep, yep. I'll clip them right off of that reel and zip it back up, you know, and and then 
um, go ahead and just hang them right through the eyelet that's on the package on a, on a stick. And usually I'll do that about licking branch height. That way, if one comes cruising through, they get a chance to really sniff on that thing. And, and we've got some awesome videos of that. They'll come in and just munch on it. <laughs> really? That's weird. That is weird. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's about it's as weird really as strange. The, the elk licking the, the uh, cow pee the other day yeah we, we had saw. This, this big bull like ate dirt where the cow peed it was real strange uh yeah they're, yeah. they're crazy man so but, how do you how do you um like i feel like that as you're walking in i'm a fast walker uh which probably isn't sure. great but like how do i keep that thing from smoking the back of my pant leg the whole time you know <laughs> yeah if you're having issues with that shorten it up a little Okay. You know, if, if usually if it's flopping around and hitting you in the back of the leg, it's stretched out too long and catching sticks or something and and you know flinging up forward. So you. if you just shorten it up about six inches long, it just kind of hangs off the back of your boot just far enough to not slap you. Yeah, I got you. So what about um, are you taking a, like rubber gloves in or anything when you detach that thing? Do you get? You, I mean, I I would imagine that. It could flop around and pretty much contaminate scent-wise the whole thing. Does it get on you? Sure. Well, what you can do, you know, our 10-packs come in a resealable pouch. What I usually do is dump the contents out into the front small pocket of my pack, and then I've got that empty resealable pouch that I can use for the trash. Oh, okay. Um, that, that way I don't have to handle it too much. You could, a lot of guys use rubber gloves. You know, there's no issue with that at all. You unclip from your boot and hang it on a limb using that rubber glove if you're worried about getting it on your fingers. Mm-hmm. But man, honestly, I work with so much deer piss now that the smell don't really bother me. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind so much as I used to when I get it on my hands. Yeah. So is it, uh, let me ask you this. If you're walking down a trail, is it also a good idea to use a drag, or are you wanting to intersect trails, and that's how you're really going to attract a buck? Well, it depends on how much homework you've done. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna walk, if you're gonna walk down a trail, uh, you know, using just that trail, and you're doing so because you've got your cams out and you know for the most part what deer are coming through there and when they're doing it and you've got a pretty good shot they're going to be cruising that trail then that's that's a good way to go but if you're if you're lacking that degree of certainty if you cover multiple trails that's just increasing your odds that something's going to pick up that scent Mm -hmm. you know no matter no matter what corridor they happen to be using at the time yeah um can you what are the chances that I mean, can a buck, when he crosses that scent trail, can he tell the difference in the age of a scent that's, a, you know, 100 yards apart? Like, in, in, for instance, if he starts backtracking the wrong way away from your stand, can he, will he eventually figure out that he's going the wrong way and turn back around sometimes? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I can't say with 100% certainty, really, because I can't get inside his brain. I wish I could. <laughs> but uh yeah. it's you know obviously depending on his level of interest like if he's just driven to breed and and going nuts and reaches the end of that trail he may circle back and and i don't know why they wouldn't if you watch if you ever watch hounds track of a lion mountain lion or if you ever watch you know dogs tracking coons or bears or something they'll head in their own direction sometimes and circle back and i have to think that a prey species would be similar yeah, because they're using the same methods basically, except for they're not using it 
to survive. They're using it to reproduce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many days in the woods uh, will one of these, you know, wicks be effective? Like, can you sure. hang this thing in a tree and come back and hunt the place four days later and assume that bucks, like, are now raging because there's a doe and estrus <laughs> that's been there for four days and they can't find her, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, we have – that's variable, you know. We have great uh, evidence. Of, we've done a, a ton of research on these things. Um, we've had deer activity as long as 20 days after hanging one. So they're still holding scent. And that's usually when it's drier. If you have a bunch of rain, it's going to wash that thing out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hold scent. That felt material holds that scent for a good while. It's it's effective for a good while. And honestly, uh, especially in our mock scrape setups, you'll have deer coming into that thing the first couple of days. And then the deer are keeping that scrape fresh. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't so much matter what the wick is doing anymore because you've got actual deer coming in there and and leaving scent all over the area yeah. so uh, uh it's a good jump starter for that and but it does hold that scent very effectively uh, especially if you're not getting heavy rains yeah so uh, you know kind of on that note like the weather related stuff um if you're hunting a more arid part of the country is scent just more effective in an arid part of the country because it, it can travel further without being uh, i guess dissipated or whatever by humidity or mist yeah, or whatever yep. Yep. Humidity and temperature both play a role. You know, the warmer it is too, the further that scent will disperse, uh, air molecules are moving a little faster and further. So that scent's going to carry a little better. Um, but we have great success at cold temperatures too. You know, it's not a liquid product per se. It's soaked into that felt so it doesn't freeze up solid. Um, and it does a great job of dispersing scent even when it's super cold. Um, but yeah, you know, in a, in an arid climate, like you said, you'll have a good opportunity there for it to carry a good ways, uh, especially because in usually in those arid climates, you get a little, a little more air movement, you get a little more wind, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have a, it's not so stale, uh, generally speaking. Um, so that's good, but most of our research and testing is done in the rainforest of East Tennessee. So (laughs) if they're, if they're effective here with the humidity that we have, you know, it's, it's a a moot point. Yeah. That's good news for us because a lot of our uh, research is done is the rainforest of East Texas. So I can only imagine (laughs) those places are very similar. Yeah. Lots of ticks and not a lot of deer. So, you know, it's it's awesome. (laughs) So what's the, what's the, uh, is there like a particular way to do the scrape thing? Um, the mock scrape thing, like, is there anything particular that we need to note when we set something up? Oh, as far as what in particular are you, are you thinking of? Just, you know, when you go in to set a mock scrape and you, you may, may or may not hang a camera on it, but regardless, you're going to be hunting over that mock scrape. Like how, sure. how are you setting that up to, I mean, and is there a difference in like, I'm going to set this up this mock scrape up to, uh, you know, draw deer past me from a different part or they're going to, or I'm going to draw them straight to the scrape and I'm just going to hunt over it. Is there a difference there? And then how, like what scent are you using? Like, is there a placement, a height, you know, a side of the scrape? How does that all look for you usually? Yep. 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 What we usually do, um, for our mock scrapes, like I said, we use that dominant bug, sometimes estrus doe as well. Always hang them at a licking branch height clear away a spot using a stick usually 
I don't like to use my boot just in case there's any kind of contamination of scent on my boot from something. I try to be pretty meticulous about not wearing my, my, I store my gear and my boots on my back porch, which is open air Mm -hmm. and I don't wear them in the truck or anything, you know, but you can't be too careful. So I, I like to use a stick to kind of scrape away that earth and make that mock scrape. Then we'll hang them at licking branch height. Um, that way when a deer comes in, he's getting his face up or she, or he is getting their face up in that branch at licking branch height and freshening up scent with preorbital of their own. Mm-hmm. So it, it helps to keep deer coming back in. Um, and preorbital scent is very effective also on those licking branches. Uh, had a lot of success find like, we'll sometimes locate a, a scrape that's actually made by deer, not a mock scrape and take a licking branch from there and move it to wherever we're making our mock scrape so that we've got <laughs> we've got an actual preorbital from deer on yeah. that branch. You know some bucks um, like dead gummit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But uh that's something that we do and, and find it effective. Um so yeah. And, and that's one of the things we don't offer a preorbital scent right now, but we will. Yeah. Oh, that makes me excited. I'm real interested yep. in preorbital scent, and that's the that's one of the things that I kind of wonder about with uh, making mock scrapes. Um, you know, how how smart are deer? Right? Like we all, this is the big overarching question that we all ask as hunters. But if you're getting tarsal and and pea scent uh, down in the scrape, that's good. But if it's up on the stick, you know, do they are they ever like, well, that's weird because. I don't know how that got up there, but I like the smell of it. You know, do they do they ever think that's strange or just deer just so instinctive and and hyped up on the rut at that point in time in the season they just don't care? I don't I don't have any experience of them finding it strange. You yeah. know, I, I don't think that I don't and personally I don't believe deer are that intelligent. I don't think that they process things that way. I think they are programmed. I think that they are made to stay alive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're thinking of a deer being super smart, chances are that thing's just scared to death. And <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. Doing what it, it's doing what it can to preserve life. But I don't think that they have, and, and I don't mean that they're completely unintelligent. They obviously learn. Sure, like they'll yeah. pick up a human scent. You know, if they spot, if a doe spots you in a stand, she's going to be looking at that spot next time she comes through. Mm-hmm. You know, so they can obviously learn things. But as far as processing why is it why do i smell urine off the ground i don't think they think that that far into it mm-hmm. gotcha but, uh-huh. are yeah. you sure to uh to go like take the wick and dab it around on the on the dirt some before you put it up high or do you just make a dirty spot and then hang the wick honestly sometimes i'll bury them really? just under oh. the surface yep just under the surface of the dirt i'll take a razor knife and cut that wick off of the foil part uh-huh bury it under the surface of the dirt just a little bit and i always am very sure to go back and and pull my trash you know i'll get that yeah. thing out of there when, I, when i'm not going to be back in the area uh but yeah that that wick will hold that scent if you put it just under the dirt a little bit then you've got some on the ground but it is effective to just drag them back and forth on the dirt as well yeah yeah i just i just do that little berry technique uh just for potency that's a next level tactic right there yeah, that's like the it. stuff yeah. man that's good <laughs> i like that yeah um I hate to do this, but uh, back to the drag real quick. I had a question about this because this is intriguing to me, man. But um, sure, what are, what are like? Why doesn't a deer smell your boots, man? You know, like why is that? It just has always felt counterintuitive to me to use a drag because it's like, well, this deer is going to be following my my boot track the entire way in. 
I mean, what, what happens there, man? Well, I think the important thing is to keep your boots as scent free as you can, you know, keep them from getting contaminated. Don't pump gas in them. Don't, don't even put them on in your truck because your floor mats got gasoline on it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you get out and and pump gas, obviously when you get in the truck, your shoes are going to have that scent in your floor mats. Mm -hmm. So any kind of contamination like that is important to consider. Um, and also a big part of it for us is, uh, I think that the potency of the smell has a big part in it. I think that that deer can smell the rubber in your soles, you know, when it's coming through the woods. But I think that it's such a weak smell that it's not of high concern. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. You see yeah. what I mean? Even, yeah. even boots that are kept in a set lock container or whatever, and never contaminated, what is that boot made of? Chances are it's something that deer aren't used to smelling. Right. You know? Yeah. As far as the dyes that are in that, like mm -hmm. I think they can break down scent on that kind of level. Oh, but yeah. I think that they also can gauge a danger level of sorts based on how strong that smell is and, and uh, how long it's been since it came through. You know, I think those are things that a deer's brain processes just instinctually. So it's more of a keep your boot scent weak than it is this strong urine smell that like is intriguing to the deer is that kind of what you're saying i think it's a combination you want to keep those boots clean but then also what like in the drag situation you're using that potent urine obviously not as a cover in that situation but it's effective that way right okay yeah makes sense um kind of want to switch switch gears here real quick um and talk about something that's not super fun but um uh, cwd is an issue for people and yeah. how do how, like how are you guys circumventing that as an issue in in the you know real scent game well our main concern you know like like i was telling you guys before we have day jobs this is a small family business you know when you order up a, a package of wild carrot uh before that thing is taken to the post office there's a one of three pairs of hands put that thing together and it's either me my dad or my mom mm -hmm. so you know we're we're small time um we're not looking to get rich in the hunting industry. That's not how we came to be. And I know everybody says that, but it's really the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, we enjoy hunting and the industry just, you know, it's a fun thing to be a part of. And we came out, we started developing that packaging system for our personal use and, and thought it might be something that would work at market. So mm -hmm. that's how we came to be. But uh, the CWD concern, um, it's real. It's obviously affecting litigation nationwide in different states. Uh, you find that there are urine bans. Um, uh, and exactly how involved urine is in the process of spreading CWD, nobody really knows. I have my own personal opinions, obviously. Um, but just as far as staying ahead of that curve and combating that, you know, our urines are all uh, ATA certified, our our animals at the at the farm that we get our urine from are healthy. They're certified CWD free on a regular basis. Um, we make sure that there's nothing but quality, healthy urine going into those packages to stop any sort of spread on our end. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big thing for us. So what is the ATA and, and, certification? What does that mean to to uh, layman? Well, that's, that's just going to the herd. They go through the herd. Um, we have a veterinary uh set up they come in and check everybody all the deer make sure everybody's healthy uh disease free and that has to be done so often throughout the year to meet ata's criteria mm -hmm. 
Uh, and we're also part of their deer protection program. You know, uh, if, if CWD wipes out all the deer, that sucks for all of us. Right. Oh, yeah. That's not, that's not good for us. So we want to make sure that doesn't happen just as much as anybody else. Uh, without hunting, we have, we lose our favorite pastime and our business, mm-hmm. you know? So, so investing in, in making sure that that's around for generations to come is more important to us than making sure that we can make a little extra money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. for sure. And for those States that do have the urine ban and stuff, y'all, y'all do make a synthetic as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. We do. Yeah. Actually, and ten- Tennessee, just, you know, our home state just passed a preliminary sort of ban. Uh, this is a trial year, I think, on, on a natural urine ban. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so it's hap- it's happening around, um, you know, yeah. like Michigan, I know you have to have CWD certified or I mean, uh, ATA certified products mm-hmm. there. Um, so it's different states are taking different approaches. And I think everybody's just scrambling to make sure we don't lose what we love. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like when, when, when something that you have a deep connection with is threatened, sometimes you'll just do anything you can think of to make sure nothing happens to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that's the stance that a lot of folks are taking. So we're just doing everything we can to make sure our products are high quality and waiting out the science, waiting it out to see, uh, you know, what we can actually confirm. There's a lot of unknowns out there at this point. So, yeah. um, as far as it affecting sales, we haven't really noticed any decrease. I mean, we can't in Tennessee, you can't use natural urine and you can't bait. And if I go down to Walmart, I can't walk through the sporting goods department without tripping over tinks and corn. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're still, they're still selling, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I don't, I honestly, I think it's kind of like the mentality where a lot of these guys, don't like somebody telling them what they can't do. Yep. So they're more likely to go out and get it if you tell them they can't have it. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. a good old Southern thing to do, man. It's just the <laughs> yeah. you know, it's that rebel in you, you know. It's That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show that guy. You know. But no, uh, everyone listening, please, you know, abide by your state's <laughs> laws and regulations. But yeah. no, that's absolutely that's. Um, that's interesting, man. And I was, uh, you know, looking at these packages and stuff when you when you sent them to us the other day, and uh, uh, I saw that ATA certification. I was like, I wonder if that's what that is. And it's cool to hear that clarification, and it gives me some peace of mind because Tyler and I both have some pretty heavy CWD concerns, and you know, we're I guess in the believers classification or whatever. <laughs> you know, like we're uh, it's a, yeah. it's a real thing, man, and it's scary. It is. It's for sure a real thing, and I, I'm not arguing that at all. But I think there are a lot of uh, unknowns as far as transmission. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's hard to tell how many deer CWD actually kills when you have to kill them to test them. Yes, exactly. You know, it's 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 a strange situation that we have. So, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, life was better before we knew about CWD. Yeah, I feel like you know. It's weird. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is is life was better before we knew about it, but it was still there. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Before I knew, b- before I knew about it, at least, you know, it goes back to the seventies. I never heard anything about CW. It goes back to the seventies, at least. Yeah, I, think I never the, heard any. Thinks the sixties in Colorado is when they discovered it, I believe. So that's right. It's, it's a long, 60s. yeah, it's a long ways back there, man. Yeah. yeah, and growing up hunting, you know, everybody I knew hunted, and you never heard about CWD. My grandpa yeah. and my dad had every hunting magazine you can imagine. I never saw an article about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just uh, was a non-issue back then. But uh, 
it's different now, but I think it's just um, with the spread of information we have, everybody wants to be careful not to ruin something great. Yeah, you know? which is a good thing, man, and yep. that's good. And I'm yeah. so glad that y'all take the extra precautions that you do, and it gives me just a bunch of extra confidence. Because we talked – I don't know if we talked about this on air, but uh, last year we had said we we don't really want anything but the synthetic stuff. And, uh, you know, and after kind of talking with you now, like I, I'm kind of full bore, like, you know, use it all because it sounds like y'all are doing everything you can to make sure you've got a good and safe product for people to use because we all care about deer for the future. So yeah. it's awesome. Yes, yeah. sir. What's yes, the uh, – what's the – how effective is the synthetic as compared to the normal stuff the, the, or the real stuff, I guess? It's very effective. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, it's an all-natural product. It's not – it's a synthetic deer urine, but it's not a gotcha. synthesized synthesized liquid, you know. So it's um, – I can't divulge too much info sure. because it's proprietary <laughs> yeah. Yeah. as far as how we make it. But um, it's very effective, man. We've got uh, great footage of deer coming in and, and sniffing all over it, you know, not spooking on it. Um, it's a good cover. Uh and it's 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 as good as you can get mm-hmm. without being actual deer urine. Yeah, that's cool, man. I uh, we used it last year for sure, and it, it definitely smells to me no different. So you know, <laughs> yeah. for whatever that's worth, that, there's that. Uh, you've said several times, and I'm I can't even smell that good, so whatever. But uh, you said several times that uh, we have videos of deer using this or doing this. Is that on a YouTube channel? How do how do people connect with you, and how do people find uh, that kind of stuff? Our Facebook and Instagram are the best methods for seeing that type of thing. We've got a little bit on our website um, as well. Our website is wildcarrotsense.com. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are Wild Carrot Deer Attractant, and I suggest uh, checking us out on there because we we uh, try to be involved in the community as much as possible via our social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're like I said, we're a small business, just family, so. It's fun to be the one seeing those messages and, and responding to people and, oh, yeah. and being involved, you know, hands-on. Um, but, yeah, that's how you can find us. And we've got a lot of great folks uh, across the country and, and states all over that are using our products and, and sending us pictures and videos. And it's, it's just a lot of fun, man. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome, dude. How do people actually uh, get a hold of some wild carrot? Are you all a direct-to-consumer or can they find you in retailers or how's it work? We are direct from our website. We're also on Amazon, uh, and we are distributed by Kinsey's, which supplies most of your archery shops. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things we kind of pride ourselves on right now. You know, we're not a box store company. So yeah. uh, we're an artisan deer urine. Um, Ooh, yeah. It, I like it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's products like ours uh, that are different that, you know, we, we think we like to think that we're helping drive traffic to your mom and pop archery shops. That That's way. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's something you can't go to Cabela's and buy. You can't go to Walmart and buy. You're going to go seek out your pro shop. And while you're there, you might learn something, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Josh, thanks so much for spending the time with this man. We appreciate uh, the knowledge and clarification of all the different things that have to do with deer sense and attractants, man. And, and, uh, I can guarantee you these are things that I will use this year. I mean, this is, this is a no smoke kind of deal, man. I, I, uh, learned a lot in this episode, so I appreciate you taking the time to do that with us, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was good talking to you guys. It's not every day, uh, 
you know, you get to chat with some hillbillies from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I love it, dude. Thank you for calling us out. So. <laughs> All right, it takes man. one to know one. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's banjo music playing somewhere near you right now. So. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, uh, good luck this year, and uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be seeing you soon, man, I'm sure. That sounds good. I appreciate it, guys. All right, thanks. Well, that didn't stink near as bad as I thought it would. <laughs> Just kidding. Pun intended there. But, uh, dude, uh, Josh actually knows quite a bit about scent and about, yeah. like, how to use it. And Man. I'm, like, I'm hot about using a drag rag right now. I know, Just dude. so you know. Like, it's going to happen quite a bit this year, and I'm going to kill a giant bug. Dude. Man, that's what you get with, like, uh, with this whole, like, direct-to-consumer market that's starting to happen in our culture is, like, you're getting some guys that are creating products that are very experienced and know what they're they know what they're doing they know what they're talking about and it's not just some uh you know brand from uh you know some big city in the in the midwest that owns a bunch of hunting brands and they're just all about profits yeah you know? and a, so. just have a fast talking dude who's like <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's like a legit dude in the know who's done the research and hunts in a real part of the country and has seen it work so it's cool yeah. man I'm, I'm looking forward to uh I'm actually going to go put one of these out today on my property. Yeah, I put one on my property uh, yesterday, and as soon as I got them in the mail, I saw we had some, and put them out, or put one out, and I'm kind of like in this place where I've got a bunch of hogs raging my feeder right now, <laughs> and I saw a doe come in uh, yesterday morning on camera, and I just need a buck to come into our area on one of these cold fronts that's about to happen and smell that... Um, that little rag, you know, and think, oh, well, maybe I should hang around here a little closer. Yeah. You know, if I can just get him to come out in daytime, man, that's all, all I'm trying to do. Yeah, man. that's all we're trying to do is just kill a buck, you know? That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, tomorrow, um, Friday, I guess what's Friday the 11th? Uh, Something like that. The nation is going to experience a giant cold front. So man. wherever you're at, I hope that the bucks get on their feet early and often and you get to put an arrow through the big buck you've been chasing all season. It's going to be a great day for it, guys. Get out, be smart with your hunts, and uh, man, it's it's like it's getting time right now. I know, man. dude. I'm, if you're the jealous kind, don't be getting on social media the next few days because there's <laughs> going to be some dead bucks. Oh yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. That's for sure. That's a good point too, man. Honestly, like. Um, don't feel like everyone but you is killing a deer because guess what? We're Too probably late. not killing deer either. So yeah, <laughs> I'm already there. That uh, social media is just uh, it's just what rises to the t- you know the bubbles are going to come to the top and uh, yeah. that's that's what you get to see right. But there's a whole bunch of people out there grinding it out and uh, that's that's what makes it fun, man. Is mm-hmm. uh, if you went out and it was easy every time, you probably lose interest. And there's a reason that some people come and go in the hunting world, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Usually that's probably because they picked up a trad bow and they get real tired of it real quick. <laughs> just, just kidding, Josh. I hope, dude, I hope he has a good time this year with that because that's a cool story. Yeah, no, it is. It is, man. And you know what's what's interesting to think about in regards to the social thing is like, I know there's a uh, a kid that goes to my church and you know him, but uh, he he was like, uh, I, I saw where he posted something about, you know, X amount of days till rifle season. Mm-hmm. He's not a bow hunter. He loves to deer hunt. Yeah. And his season hadn't even started yet. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, he's one of a normal type of people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them out there that haven't killed a deer 
yet so far, including me. And I've I hunted two months ago, nearly. You know, coming yeah. up. By the time he hunts, I will have hunted two months prior. Yep. And I might not have killed a deer still by the time he gets a rifle in his hand and starts going. So, you're uh, you're not in the minority. There are millions out there that have not killed deer yet. So, uh, it's cool to think about. It's exciting to to get prepared. This is the best time of year, honestly. Like October, knowing that November is so close is even better than just being in November sometimes, oh I feel goodness. like. You know, it's like the anticipation is... That's what I used to love about duck hunting, man, is uh, I'd go out and scout, you know, the night before and find ducks that were loafing somewhere, you know, and and then when you find them and you get... You're like, there's 300, you know, in there, a bunch of mallards. You're like, it's going to be a good morning. And, all, like, I almost didn't want it to come morning because I didn't, you know, I didn't want it to be over, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that anticipation. So that's where we're at right now. And I'm sure you guys are anticipating the end of this podcast and for me to stop talking. <laughs> so with that said, go buy a T-shirt if you're a public land hunter, especially. we got brand new uh, Blaze Orange T-shirts at the website, that's the right. Wild. Doubles as a Halloween shirt because it's that's super right. orange. Yep, you the can, lady we just saw walk across the parking lot had on a super orange shirt. I'm sure she's going to purchase one, so you better festive. get there quick before she gets to them. So festive. Uh, but they're cool, man. Yep. You know, For the public land guy or if you just want to be safe in the woods or just super fashionable, yeah. they are. Well, the neon thing is kind of in right it is, now. man. At least where we live, you know, I mean, I yeah. feel like it is. Um, yeah, there's uh, more elk videos dropping, uh, you know, pretty much day to day. I've got most of it edited up. Uh, I think part four is going to have, there's a good chance there's over 150 bugles in this oh thing. My. I've already tallied up 172. Who knows what will get cut and what will stay. But uh, that's just one day, guys. Mm. So it's, it's a pretty incredible video. It's a little bit long, so make sure... Uh, you don't turn it on until it's about, you know, 9 o'clock and you're starting to get ready for bed. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's the kind of stuff we got going on. I appreciate the support, like KC said in the beginning of this podcast, you guys listening, downloading and all that. It means a lot to us. Uh, if you support us, support the brands that we work with and that we believe in, uh, including Josh. We've got the link down in the show notes. Uh, go check out what he's got going on if you want to try a drag rag or something like that. And I'm sure I will be too. So, guys... Get ready, get after it. Remember, this is your element. Live in it. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide Armory's products are military and professionally formulated and approved, featuring a groundbreaking graphene-infused ceramic coating that is safe for all surfaces, providing unmatched protection for any firearm. Discover a new standard in gun maintenance. Order your advanced cleaning kits today at RiptideArmory.com. Riptide Armory. Relentless performance for your firearms.